This podcast is produced by Whisper and Mutter. Hey, thanks for listening. I am conducting a research project of sorts. I am surveying you, my listeners, to learn more about you. This quick anonymous survey will help shape the strategy, production, distribution, and sponsorship of the podcast. Can you please visit yizzyresearch.com to take the listener survey? Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Now, on to the show. If you want to be a UX researcher, you have to understand the difference between discovery, evaluative, primary, and secondary research. When I first became interested in UX research, I would hear evaluative and discovery research mentioned quite a bit, and though I googled them to learn more about them, I didn't fully understand what they actually were, when to apply them, and which methods they encompass until fairly recently. If you do some Googling, you'll notice that there are different opinions among researchers as to which methods are evaluative and which are discovery. Since UX research is still a relatively new career path, it is actively being defined by those of us who are current practitioners. What constitutes primary and secondary research seems to be better understood and more universally defined. I'll spend our time today unraveling discovery, evaluative, primary, and secondary research. You're listening to the Yizzy Research Podcast, the podcast for people who research people. You are listening to the voice of your host, Imani, UX researcher at and founder of the UX research company, Yizzy Research. I help organizations understand their users, and I coach aspiring and practicing UX researchers in their career journeys. Let's start with evaluative and discovery research. Discovery research is also known as exploratory, generative, foundational, and problem-based research. Discovery research does not evaluate how people use a product or service. Instead, discovery research prioritizes humans. Yes, these humans are usually an organization's current or ideal users, but discovery research seeks to understand them at a deep level beyond how they engage with the product. With discovery research, researchers want to understand the pain points, motivations, workflows, lifestyles, and desires of people. Discovery research not only provides an opportunity to learn more about people, but allows researchers to uncover new lines of business, features, products, and services. I like to think of discovery research as an archaeological excavation. I go into discovery research projects with questions and assumptions, but once I begin to dig, I may discover something that I couldn't have planned to identify. I love discovery research and have a strong bias towards it because it humanizes end users and consequently allows me to understand how the product or service fits into their lives. Discovery research allows me to be creative and allows for the application of a wide variety of methods. From this richness of discovery research, I've generated customer journey maps, empathy maps, and personas that were always well-received and conversation-provoking. Discovery research usually involves very small sample sizes as we opt for quality and depth over quantity and statistical significance. Discovery research is also great if you're thinking of introducing a new product, feature, or service. You can get a feel for what types of people would be interested. Lastly, discovery research is good if you already have robust quantitative data about your end users and want to augment that with qualitative deep dives. Discovery research is a good way to gain a competitive advantage because you know your users intimately. Some methods include interviews, card sorts, focus groups, surveys, ethnography, and contextual inquiry. 
These are time intensive as discovery research tends to be a labor of love. Discovery research is not as quick as evaluative research. Evaluative research, also known as validation research, is less strategic than discovery research and is more tactical. You're evaluating how end users use the product. In evaluative testing, we're not concerned with the customer first, but how they engage with the design and product. Evaluative research helps researchers understand if users understand user flows, if a product is usable, are there any bugs or misunderstandings? How well does the product address end-user pain points and challenges? This is the question at the core of evaluative research. Personally, I'm not crazy about evaluative research because it doesn't allow for a lot of creativity. The most popular methods include usability testing, A-B testing, and surveys. If you are an especially observant person, then you likely notice that I mentioned survey research as both a discovery and evaluative method. If you ask different researchers which methods are evaluative and which are discovery, you will definitely get different answers. This seems to be the theme of the UX discipline. Surveys can work in either category because they can be used to acquire deep knowledge about users on a large scale, but they can be used to understand what users understand about the product. Primary research is research that the researcher collects personally. This is the type of research that UX researchers typically do. Primary research is highly customizable as the data collector shapes the research questions, hypotheses, and methods. Methods include usability testing, surveys, card sorts, focus groups, contextual inquiry, ethnography, and diary studies. Similar to discovery research, I prefer primary research because it allows for a lot of creativity and flexibility. Secondary research is research that the researcher does not collect personally. Someone or something else collected the data. Methods include desk research and literature reviews. Secondary research is more popular in academia and healthcare. When I was an undergrad research assistant at University of Virginia, I did a ton of secondary research before primary research for professors because there was already so much published. Secondary research appears to be less popular in UX research because our research is often original and highly specific to a product. So there's no existing published body of knowledge available as an independent researcher, I find myself conducting more secondary research as I use it to close gaps in terms of industry knowledge. For example, if I have a health insurance client, I would begin my work with secondary research of the health insurance space. I would seek to learn about what it is, how it works, what the law is, and how the company fits into that landscape. Secondary research is good for level setting. I think that secondary research is so underutilized by UX researchers. For UX researchers, heat map analysis is a good place to start. The data is collected by tools like Hotjar. Heat map analysis allows you to see how users interact while they're actually on your website. Where are they clicking? Where are they not clicking? How far are they scrolling? The insights from a heat map can help you rework information architecture and reformat and reposition content. If you're enjoying this podcast, go to Apple Podcasts and give it a five-star rating and a glowing review. Subscribe, follow. Many of you messaged me to tell me how much you like the podcast, but it's even better if you share it with your coworkers, mentees, and mentors on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and any other platform I forgot to mention. Spread the love. Don't keep me to yourself. <laughs> 
Also, if you are an aspiring or even a current UX researcher who needs help with your resume, interviewing skills, professional branding, cover letter, LinkedIn profile, and portfolio, consider applying for the Yizzy Research Coaching Program. This is a lot of information that you can make immediately actionable for your professional development as a researcher. I recommend doing a skill quadrant exercise in which one quadrant is primary, the next is secondary, the other evaluative, and the last discovery. Primary and secondary should be on the same axis as they are opposites, while discovery and evaluative should also be on the same axis as they are opposites. I imagine that many of you are visual learners. If you visit yizzyresearch.com and find the show notes for today's episode, I have a picture of a sample quadrant. Once you have your four quadrants, categorize your existing skill set into each quadrant. For example, in my primary discovery quadrant, I'll list the following. Focus groups, user interviews, contextual inquiry, survey research, and card sorting. In my secondary evaluative quadrant, I'll have heat map analysis. This is an exercise I run through with my coaching clients, and it's a great way to assess your skill set in order to understand what you know how to do and what you're missing. When applying for jobs, this knowledge will help you determine which jobs you're a good fit for. It can also help you determine where you put your professional development efforts and energy. For aspiring UX researchers listening, here's a tip. UX researchers tend to be most active in the primary discovery and primary evaluative quadrants. At different points in your career journey, you may find yourself employing a different mix of these methods. As an entry-level UX researcher, you may expect to do a lot of primary evaluative research, namely usability testing. From experience and in my conversations with research practitioners, usability testing is the most fundamental research method along with user interviews. As you're learning about new industries, I recommend doing some secondary research to close any knowledge gaps. That's something I didn't do as a junior UX researcher, and I wish that I did. As a junior researcher, don't expect to do a lot of strategic discovery research. Am I implying that as a junior researcher, you'll never do any strategic discovery research? No. However, that usually comes with more seniority. As I've become more experienced as a UX researcher, my workload has become a little less tactical. Yes, I still do quite a bit of usability testing, but I do more primary discovery work, which I absolutely love, than I did earlier in my career. For example, I had a client who I did several user interviews for to help them understand low-income taxpayers. I then summarized this knowledge into customer journey maps and personas. I predict that as I gain even more experience, I'll be charged with making more direct connections between my research projects and larger business objectives. The wonderful thing about working as a researcher is that, most likely, you'll engage with all the four types of research I discuss, discovery, evaluative, primary, and secondary. As you work in different capacities, whether as an independent contractor like me, a researcher in a traditional nine-to-five full-time role, a research manager, or in another position, you'll have the chance to activate different parts of the quadrant I mentioned a few moments ago. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to take the listener survey on yesyresearch.com. Give this podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And follow Yizzy Research on Twitter and LinkedIn. We'll chat soon.